Hi, this is Doug, and this is the Service Design Show, episode 172. Hi, my name is Mark Fontaine, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Service Design Show. The show where we explore what's beneath the surface of service design. What are the secrets, methods, and lessons you need to know about to be a successful service design professional? All to help you make greater impact on the projects that matter most to you. Our guest in this episode is no one less than Doc Powell, a well-respected executive design leader with a long track record at companies like IBM and more recently Expedia. Today, Doc helps companies gain clarity around things like job descriptions and responsibilities, especially in the design space. Why? Simply because job clarity is a catalyst for improvement in performance and employee satisfaction. But as you may have experienced yourself, often there isn't much structure or standards around design roles within a company, let alone a clear design path for design professionals. So rather than waiting for that to change, Doc argues that you should be proactive about it. You can build relationships with HR to help them put the right career frameworks in place and in that way elevate the design maturity of your entire organization. So in this episode, we're going to explore why design isn't well represented in current career frameworks, what the approach is to define clear job descriptions and responsibilities, and which compromises you can and can't make when you're working on the metaphorical organizational plumbing. Discussing things like roles, responsibilities, and career frameworks is something that might be especially relevant when you're currently working in-house. But there aren't many places where you'll find other service design professionals who are interested in exploring this topic as well. But I do know one place, it's called The Circle. The Circle is an alliance of and for in-house service designers, professionals working hard to create a better future for their company and its customers, while trying to overcome the resistance of the many-headed monster, also known as the status quo, and trying to thrive inside the organizational jungle. In The Circle, we get together a few times each month to discuss best practices, provide support, and grow as professionals. What's great about the conversations inside the circle is that they are grounded in lived experiences. This means that members bring practical examples from their work rather than sharing abstract theories or polished case studies. Basically, the conversations in the circle are about the messy side of our work that you don't read about in books or hear at conferences. Here are a few topics that we recently addressed inside the circle. How to get buy-in for service design, how to use design fiction and speculative design, and what is the best way to embed service design capabilities inside an organization? One way you could think about the circle is as an inspiring conference focused on in-house service design that's spread out over the entire year rather than packed into a few frantic days. If this sounds like something that you're interested in joining, head over to servicedesignshow.com circle. There, you'll find all the details and instructions on how to apply to become a member of our alliance. So 
That's servicedesignshow.com slash circle. And you'll also find the link in the show notes of this episode. That about wraps it up for the intro. Now it's time to sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation with no one less than Doug Powell. Let the show begin. Welcome back to the show, Doc. Hi, Mark. Great to be here. <laughs> uh, I have a quiz question for you, and you haven't prepared. Uh, are you ready for it? Uh, fire away. <laughs> yes, I'm ready. So uh, you've been a guest on the show before. Do you recall which episode it was? I was just thinking that, uh, and uh, uh, I don't recall what it was, but I know you've been doing the, the show for about six years, uh, and it must have been five years ago. So I'm guessing Ooh. it's, it's uh, what, 20 or 30, maybe? It's, um, I, was, I double-checked it. It was episode 48. It was published okay. on March 22nd, 2018. We're going to air this episode on March 30th, 2023. So it's like almost on it's, on the week five years yeah, ago. Our, an our anniversary, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> and nothing has happened in the last five every, years. <laughs> yeah, every five years we need to do this again. I, uh, that's that's a good thing. I'll add it to my calendar. Uh, reminder to uh, invite Doc for the next uh, 10 year anniversary. <laughs> Mm, that's right yeah so we're back to revisit some uh things see what what has changed uh, uh i would encourage people to look at for the episode and listen to episode 48 to to get a sense of the zeitgeist uh back in 2018 and maybe compare it to what's happening today it's definitely different um doc we didn't have this element uh when you were on in uh, 2018 but uh, this is new at least it's been going for a while but it's new for you i have five uh simple questions to get to know you as a person next to the professional uh just the first thing that comes to your mind we won't dive into these questions any deeper but hopefully we'll get to know you a bit better okay yeah all right yeah there we go what's always in your fridge uh the first thing that came to my mind was mustard. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Why? Anywho, uh, if you could <laughs> recommend one book for someone to read, which book would you recommend? I would recommend um, Notes on an Execution. Mm. Wow. A thriller. Okay. A thriller from last year. Mm. Yeah. Great book that I read over the holidays. Mm. Loved it. Adding. Uh, Link in the show notes. Next uh, question is, if you could work from anywhere in the world, which place would you pick? I would pick, um, I think, uh, Barcelona. I, I, although I, 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 I answer that more on just any place in the world that I'd like to be, mm -hmm. but maybe the work part <laughs> I should I should consider more. But uh, but it's one of my favorite cities, no. so I will uh, I will I will I'll hold on to Barcelona. Okay, noted. Uh, next question is: uh, What did you want to become when you were a kid? I wanted to be an artist. Um, you know, I was the I was always the kid who could draw when I was uh, when I was young. And, uh, and I didn't know at the time, I didn't know anything about design or, you know, what the possibilities were. So I wanted to do that. I wanted to make pictures. And, uh, and at least in, in the early part of my career, I was able to do that. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, okay. Uh, not going into that topic deeper. So many questions. Uh, final question here <laughs> is uh, also a tradition. Um, 
Do you recall the first time you sort of heard about service design? Uh, yes, yes. I think it was uh, it was probably when I uh, uh, I w had a, a leadership role with uh, the organization in the U.S. called AIGA, which is uh, the Professional Association for Design in the U.S. And I was in that role, kind of in the in the the what would they what would, what are we calling them now the uh, the late aughts. Um, and uh so you know probably 15 years ago uh, in that role as i was uh working with designers of all practices and disciplines across the us and getting to know uh the profession and and uh and how designers were working at that time and service design was really uh um you know just coming onto the scene and especially in the us in those years And so that was when I when I first uh, began to encounter, um, you know, the the the, uh, the these really sort of deep, thoughtful, um, fascinating ways of working as a designer. Fifteen hmm. years ago, yeah, there was there were the early days. It's, yeah, yeah, and it still sometimes feels as their early days. But uh, it's it, good to we're still <laughs> we'll talk about that, I'm sure. But yeah, yeah, yeah but we, 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 we did make some still progress in the early days. <laughs> Thank you uh, for sharing that and uh, get to know that we need to send you mustard uh, uh, as a birthday gift or next time you are on stage. You know, <laughs> yeah, you know, you 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 said the first thing that comes to yeah. comes to your mind, and so uh, there, there you go. Well, what doesn't go with mustard? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Doug, when I say career frameworks for service design professionals, what do you say? Well, I say it's a, it's it's a very important topic. Um, it's one that is very timely. I think as we see service design and design more broadly scaling in complex organizations and companies, um, we uh, we are seeing the need for uh, service design to fit into job architectures and career frameworks that, in many cases, are already existing. Um, in these companies, and if if we don't, there's a real risk that um, that the that the practice will be marginalized, and importantly, that we won't take advantage of those career opportunities that are very present in 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 bigger companies. Um, and so, uh, you know, this is the this is the time for us, um, you know, at this, you know, as 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 you said a moment ago. You know, service design is still is still a, a relatively new thing, and uh, you know this is sort of part of the housekeeping of uh, of of a practice that is maturing and beginning to embed in uh, in these uh, these bigger organizations. Mm. So I think it's an important time, important topic, and important time. I had written down here on uh, my notes. It's uh, maybe about finally starting to plug service design into the operating system of the organization. Uh, at least it feels uh, like that for me. I think it's good if we start with uh, some context. So you've had uh, very interesting roles in the uh, past decade. What is your um, relationship to this topic of career frameworks, career paths? Like how, how, did, how did this come onto your agenda? Yeah. 
Well, I, uh, in the last decade, I've, I've spent time with two companies, uh, IBM uh, and Expedia Group. And in both cases, a, 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 a central part of my role was to, uh, to manage uh, and ensure that design practices and design ro- job roles were properly represented in the company's career architecture and career framework. That is, um, that, that is a very unsexy, unglamorous job, <laughs> to be very honest. It's a, it's a lot about the plumbing of the company. And, um, and in my time, especially at IBM, because I was there for uh, nearly nine years, um, I uh, discovered that, um, that, that it was a, the plumbing was a mess. Uh, the the plumbing was in really bad shape, and we needed to to, to do some very um, very difficult, um, very intensive work to to get under the house, to get in there, get you know roll up our sleeves and just correct things and get things you know uh, in place so that they were more sustainable, and so that individual designers, service designers. UX designers, design researchers, design technologists were able to uh, progress in their careers um, according to the work that they were actually doing. That sounds like a very obvious thing, but um, it wasn't the case when I and my team at IBM first started unpacking that career framework at the company. What we found instead was that there were dozens of different job roles, job titles, um, uh, you know, uh, job descriptions that had been placed in there at one time or another over the course of many years to the point where it had just grown to this beast of a, you know, uh, of a, a, a document. Um, and consequently, um, the, the 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 consequences of that were that designers were not being um, being really represented in the the career framework in a clear way. Um, so an individual designer could not chart their course, uh, their future path, in a uh, in a way that made sense to them. So there were there there was some important work that we needed to do there. That sounds really interesting, and I think uh, a lot of listeners will be able to relate. And when you say um, individual designers weren't able to sort of plot their next career step, something must have happened, as in, like, or or was it like a status quo? Like, what happened at that time with those individual contributors? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can imagine that uh, that at, say, annual review time, job review, performance review, whatever you call it in, in your company. And a manager uh, is looking at the, the performance history of their employee, um, you know, ser- service designer Mark, and saying, um, wow, it looks like you are, uh, you know, and, and service designer Mark has been doing phenomenal work over the last year, just really, really um, helping the team, contributing at a high level. 
but the manager is looking at what Mark is supposed to be doing according to the to the job architecture and saying, Mark, you, you didn't meet any of these goals that a UX designer is supposed to be doing. A UX designer is supposed to be uh, making wireframes and um, and uh, and and doing you know uh, documentation on on uh, you know with our with our de- de- development partners and so on. Why aren't you doing that? Well, Mark would say, of course, I'm a service designer. That's not <laughs> that's not what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be doing service blueprints and and uh, and primary research and 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 all of these uh, you know important contributions that a service designer does. And the manager will say, oh, well, wait a second. There's a, there's a problem here because I don't even know how to measure you on what you're actually doing. And that, and that was exactly, I mean, I'm, I, I'm fictionalizing a little bit there, but that was actually what was happening. And I and my team were hearing about this over and over that, uh, hey, I've got this great this great high-performing team member, um, and yet I can't, uh, I I I can't p- um, put them up for a promotion because according to the career framework, they're not doing a great job. So that was that was just a a, a real realization, and and I know that you know uh, um, that's based on my my experience at a couple of companies. Um, and I know talking to peers across the industry that that's that's happening in, in other in other places as well. And you know we'll get we'll get into maybe some of the root causes of that. But you know uh, um, that's not that's not to shame anyone. It's not the fault of anyone for uh, for the condition that the job architecture and career framework uh, is uh, ends up in. It oftentimes is is um, is the result, for instance, of of mergers. You know, where two companies are coming together and two career frameworks are coming together, and they just don't match up. So you've got a service designer who came from from this company, but now they're over in in another company, and their their performance and their job role doesn't doesn't transfer, you know, neatly into that new company. So there's a lot of you know in 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 the in the modern business world, there's a lot of reasons why that why that can happen, mm. and, and it can just get very complex. I can totally see that this causes a lot of friction, frustration, uh, not being seen, uh, not knowing how to uh, appreciate people uh, for the work that they are doing. Um, unfortunately, but I think that's maybe also part of an organic growth or mergers. Um, I'm not super familiar with career frameworks and career architectures. Could you unpack that a little bit for me? Because I can make some assumptions about what it is. I can imagine that there are job descriptions there, but like, what are some of those, the the key elements that go into a career framework? Sure. Well, um, the first would be the, the, the sort of the, I'll state, state, state the obvious perhaps, but that, uh, that there are different levels, um, and uh, different companies will call this. Uh, uh, you know, we'll have different vernacular and vocabulary for this. Uh, at, at IBM, for instance, they were called band levels. Um, so, you know, and they were they were numbered so that uh, a, a a designer would uh, come into the company at a band six or a band seven, sort of an entry level. They would progress through these band levels. 
roughly every, um, you know, two to three, maybe four years, there was a promotion to, or the expectation for a promotion to an, an X-band level. So at each of those career levels, uh, there is an articulation of what is expected of a fill in the blank, a service designer, UX designer, design researcher at that level. Um, and uh, in most cases, and I'm speaking uh, generally here, the scope of their work uh, um, gradually but, but steadily sort of broadens as they progress through that um, through that, those, those career levels. Um, so that a, 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 a designer starting out might be focused on a very individual project, one project at a time, uh, you know, very sort of narrow focus as they move to the, as they move to the next, um, you know, level, they might be taking on, uh, multiple projects. Next level, they're leading teams that are, working on multiple projects, et cetera, et cetera, uh, to the point where, you know, at the highest levels, they've got uh, a scope that, that um, extends across a, a whole company, perhaps. Um, again, at each of those levels, we need to state very clearly what is the expectation of that service designer at that level of their career, so that when a manager and a designer are getting together regularly to talk about the performance and to map out their career they've got they've got a um they've got a document that can help them with that uh it's it's as simple as that it's it can be as simple as that um as you can imagine these these things uh, uh don't uh, aren't aren't usually written or crafted or created by designers um they're created by human resources uh, departments and big companies. So uh, they're oftentimes very, um, not, not very human centric uh, and, uh, and not very consumable, you know, uh, um, and that's problematic. Uh, we, we, can, we can discuss that a little, uh, a little later because there's a big opportunity there, obviously. Um, but that's, that's, that's the general idea of what a, a career framework in a big company might be. Yeah, so a common language, a shared understanding, documented, standardized, agreed upon, um, and, uh, something you can point to, a single source of truth. Those are the words that come to my mind. Uh, like you say, yeah. not very sexy, but if you don't have it, uh, it's it's the cause of a lot of frustration. Right. Let me let me add one mm -hmm. one thing uh, that that uh, you know, because design and certainly service design are are fairly new jobs, it, it's it's perhaps important to state that uh, we are grafting, in most cases, grafting design roles onto existing career frameworks. So that's that's important. I don't think any of us as as design uh, designers and design leaders. Uh, would create a a career framework the way that it has been created in most big companies if we had it to do from scratch. We don't have it to do from scratch. We almost never do. We're almost always uh, building on an existing framework and an existing framework that's kind of a mess. So 
that's that's um, that's that's worth stating that we don't have ideal conditions usually to to work with. Yeah, what would we do differently if we did get the opportunity to start from scratch? Like, what are the limitations of the existing frameworks that you've seen? Well, I I I think that what they what they don't do well. What, what I think about is what is the outcome that we are that we are trying to achieve. We're trying to to bring value to a company. We are trying to um, uh, put a an employee, a designer, in the position where they can be as successful as possible and contribute as much value as possible to that to that company. And we are trying to create an opportunity for a designer and their manager to uh, to have a constructive conversation on a regular basis about how to achieve those things, and then how, in turn, to advance the career of that designer. So that conversation becomes a very important uh, a very important thing. We're trying to facilitate and inspire a positive, constructive, healthy conversation between usually two people, two or three people. Um, uh, and, and it's very hard. There, there are very, I mean, there are some, you know, uh, uh, unicorn managers who, who are able to, you know, who to, are able to achieve that from the, the raw material that they're usually given in a, in a, in a career framework and, and job architecture. But, that's that's very challenging, and so it's a missed opportunity, uh, a, a missed opportunity for us to to create a a really sort of positive exchange. Uh, instead, we end up just hacking our way through a, a really um, unfriendly system, mm. and unfriendly in the sense that it becomes primarily used to. Uh critique and uh review and assess rather than open up space and possibilities yeah yeah no you've got that right it becomes a uh you know uh yeah kind of a, a stick test. it becomes a stick <laughs> a stick a stick that's a great way it, it, it's a great way to to frame it it's not a it's 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 not almost never is it uh is it an, an inspirational aspirational uh you know, set of material. Yeah, and there's the opportunity. So um, let's jump into uh, the world of HR. What do we need to know as service design professionals about HR? You know, we need to we need to know that uh, you know an HR department is you know they are responsible for all the jobs in in an entire company, uh, and so uh, you know service design and 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 other design. Practices are not—they're uh, a, a drop in the bucket. <laughs> you know, they're very, a very small. Uh, you know, uh, with with all due respect, very usually a very, um, you know, not not a not a a, a a real significant concern for for HR departments. So, um, I I always find that the the important. Um, the important thing for for us to do as as design leaders is to become friends with the with our HR partners. <laughs> it's that, and and I, I I laugh at that because it seems very simple, but but really that trust and that relationship 
and getting to understand and empathize with what what they are, what those HR uh, teams are are charged with, what they're accountable for, what they're trying to achieve, and what they know ultimately um, is uh, is super important. And the stronger you can build those relationships, uh, the the you know the more good work you're able to do in, in that world. So. Uh, from your experience, how can we help them help us? What what do we need to do or what have you done or when do they start to pay attention? Well, what I've found is, uh, which is, is um, that, that HR professionals, um, you know, they've got a, they've, they, they've got a very difficult job they're working with a lot of constraints and and a in a very sort of dense system. And we as designers work in a very different way. And I've found that when we can invite HR our HR partners into our world and into our way of working, they love it. And so if we can begin to think about this work not as the drudgery of of working through the dense system of of hr in a big company but as a really interesting service design project which it is um and we and we can look at those uh you know the, those hr partners as important stakeholders important users of this system and we can co-create with them. That that changes the whole complexion of the work. And oftentimes, as I said, those HR partners just love to come into our world. And I've found that over and over that that you know they that back to the relationship and the trust that becomes a very um, uh, important way of building uh, building that trust with them. Um, and uh, you know it can be very very positive. Uh, so so uh, you know I guess the core idea there is um, don't abandon your superpower of working as a service designer in order to do this work that seems like it's very um, different from service. And in this case, uh, I can totally see that this is a design challenge that uh, uh, we can absolutely tackle. Have you experienced that HR is able to uh, frame this as uh, a brief? As in, is it, from your experience, again, is it a pull request or do we have to nudge them? Or like, are, are they in the unknown, unknown space? How does this start? I think I think we have to nudge them, I th and probably nudge them over and over again, uh, because they, in all likelihood, those those HR folks, uh, despite you know, I'm always assuming best intentions, despite being very good at their jobs, I'm sure, and very committed to the success of the company and the and the people who work there, they 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 don't understand that hey there's a there's a whole new um capability and a whole new um type of talent and type of worker that is now present and embedded in this company um 
you know, designers of, of many different practices who are contributing in a, in a new way, in a very unique way to the success of the company, they, they might, you know, they, they likely have a very, um, if, they, if, if they recognize, you know, design broadly at all, I'm certain, I'm certain that they don't understand the nuanced differences between a service designer and a UX designer and a design researcher and a design technologist and a UI designer. Those are, you know, they're quite obvious to you and me and, and the listeners of this podcast, but to that HR professional, al- almost certainly not, uh, not very, um, uh, you know, very obvious mm-hmm. to them. Mm-hmm. So we, th- the message here is that we definitely shouldn't wait for uh, this to happen and uh, be invited into the conversation. We sort of have to invite ourselves into the conversation if we want to create a better environment to be able to do our work better. Yes. If you, if, if you are listening to this podcast and you are leading a service design team and you don't know your HR partner in the company that you're working in, uh, you, that, that at the end of this podcast, (laughs) go on to your company directory and, uh, and, and find that person and reach out to them and set up a meeting to get to know them. Bring, bring some donuts. Yeah. (laughs) Bring some donuts, bring some coffee and, and, uh, become their friend. (laughs) So. Could you share some examples of things that have helped uh, you in actually shaping this? Because, um, I don't know, artifacts or processes or tools, like what have you set up to make the plumbing work better? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, in my time at, at IBM, the team that I was leading there uh, created a, a really uh, awesome uh, a designer career playbook, uh, which was, uh, you know, back to the idea of, of this, making this material as consumable as possible. Uh, that was the brief that we set for ourselves, uh, in, in creating that. And we, we created a very, um, accessible, uh, very, co- uh, consumable, a very usable, um, uh, playbook for designers and their managers. Um, and we measured the success of that, not on, um, you know, uh, simply getting it out and publishing it and getting it out into the, uh, you know, uh, on some company intranet, but, uh, but rather on, on how, how frequently it was used. And, uh, and, and that was, uh, the, and so, so that's, that also uh, meant that we needed to get out there and, and promote it. Uh, we needed to train uh, managers on how to use it. Um, there was a whole change management aspect to that, um, to that project that was, was as important as the playbook itself. Um, we paid a lot of attention to the, uh, to the tone, to the, to to the way that the content was, uh, uh, written, um, and the, the language that we used, uh, so that it was inclusive. It was, um, uh, very positive and upbeat that it, we, we avoided many of the, um, the, the, the trappings and the downfalls of typical HR material that you might get on the, you know, uh, 
you know, as you're, as you're working in a big company, that technical language, that dense language, we really, really tried to, to, um, to, to clarify, um, and create, a you know, a, a resource that, uh, that was as, uh, consumable as possible. And when you say, or mention success or impact and, uh, how, how it was used, what, what changed in practice? Like what, what stories came back? Well, uh, well, you know, you can look at the growth of, for instance, uh, the, the lead at, at IBM and their, and their career framework, uh, the, um, the, the principal level, which is, uh, you know, a very senior individual contributor, uh, level, you know, they now have, I don't know the numbers. I haven't been with the company for a couple of years now, but at the time that I left, I think they were up to about 60, um, principal designers, uh, of all practices, um, across the company. Uh, when I started there in 2013, there were no principals. So, uh, you know, there's an exponential increase in the, in the level of, um, of, of those, those most senior individual contributor designers. Um, so many of those, most the, the vast number of those did not come into the company as principals, right? So they came in at some lower level of that career, career hierarchy and, um, and progressed through, you know, some number of promotions to get to that principal level. So that suggests that there's the, you know, that some of the work that we were doing was contributing to that progression. Um, and, uh, that's, that, that's a very, a very positive sign and an important one. And what you see happening, uh, if people progress and, uh, get more experienced and take on more leadership roles is, uh, I'm, I'm assuming the overall design maturity within the company rises and grows as well. Like your people grow, so does your design maturity. Maturity. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The maturity of your practice, the maturity of your teams, uh, the recognition of of design as a practice by other, you know, cross functional um, stakeholders in, in the company. Those those partners that we're working with every day, who are not designers, who who you know, because we're working with them every day, they need to know who we are, what we do, how we do it, why it's important. Um, and that all of those things are, are measures of, uh, and factors of maturity. Um, and yeah. <laughs> it's interesting that you mentioned also the, uh, the partners within the company in the previous episode, which you haven't heard yet. Uh, Neve Parsley from Spotify talks about also like having something tangible to point to, um, uh, creates recognition within the organization. Like, Hey, uh, this is real. This isn't just, uh, yeah. something that we've made up or like we can actually point to an official document and a part of the operating system that recognizes, um, the value, the contribution, the fact that something yeah. like service design exists or UX design or UX researcher. Uh, so yeah. uh, did you experience the same thing that it adds to the credibility yeah. within the organization? Yeah. And, and that's a great insight. Uh, and, um, another thing that, uh, especially in, in older companies, I worked at, at, at IBM, 
and uh, IBM is a more than hundred year old company. Um, they have, uh, when I, when I joined in, in 2013 and when we were originally building the, uh, the, the design program there, um, we, uh, we were able to, um, learn about the, uh, the technical awards that, uh, career awards and, uh, uh, career recognition for very senior and, and, uh, highly accomplished technical leaders in their, in their system previously, the idea of being a technical leader meant that you were a, a software engineer. Uh, that was the, the idea. There was the, that was the definition of, of being a technical leader. Well, what we were able to do was to, uh, to get design and design in, in all of its practice areas uh, included as a technical discipline so that part of the, one of the outcomes that we were reaching for there was that we could get designers included as in these technical awards that are very highly um, acknowledged and appreciated across the company. So at IBM, the highest level of, of being a technical leader is, the, is being an IBM fellow. It's a very distinguished honor, um, not only in the company, but uh, you know, across the industry. It's very recognized. They make a big celebration out of it every year when they name their fellows. Well, we were able to get uh, designers into that, that system so that designers could become IBM fellows. Um, and, uh, and, and we're able to get uh, um, de designers as fellows there. Um, and so uh, I, I guess uh, the, the, the idea there is that most companies have some sort of a, um, you know, very, you know, very senior career recognition system like that. Um, so go learn about that and see, uh, see how you can get service design, um, sort of included in that uh, in that existing system mm. and this is something uh, i'm glad you bring this up uh, because i think people underestimate how powerful it is to actually plug into the existing again operating system um, I'll, I'll give a different example to sort of enrich maybe this story is that um, if you want to put design on the map try to get design into meetings meetings are things that happen like i don't know how often like 80 percent of an organization is meetings <laughs> if you want to get design within the company get get design in meetings and i think what you're sharing as well is there is already inherit a heritage there is already a system there is already a structure like it's really yeah. challenging to build something next to it and then try to get people to cross the bridge to the other side it's much easier to start sort of from the inside and and yeah leverage what's already there and, and what's already understood mm -hmm. um, and when you're talking back to our earlier point about getting those non-design stakeholders across the company to appreciate uh design doing doing some of these steps that we're talking about now and and, and connecting into existing systems um, allows them to do that on a familiar framework. They, they understand that being a distinguished engineer at a company is a very impressive, very uh, highly regarded honor. 
Well, now there's a, a, a role called a distinguished designer, a distinguished service designer. Oh, I know what that, I know what that means. That's, that means that you, you are the most eminent, most experienced uh, leader in that practice at this company. Um, so I have a high regard for you, you know, that, that, that familiarity really, um, really can play to our advantage if we can leverage. Mm -hmm. So uh, this uh, career playbook, I'm, I'm butchering the name, uh, but mm -hmm. yeah. there was a That's success it. and uh, uh, using or plugging it into the uh, uh, career labels uh, and uh, having something like a distinguished designer, that also works. Uh, some interesting examples of things you tried that didn't work? I I think uh, that you know there there are certainly some uh, some um, some of the more thorny problems of you know for instance uh, job titling I mean the, the 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 as 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 you know the the job titles in the design industry is you know they're just so. Uh, <laughs> So uh, such a mess. Uh, there, you know, uh, there are just so many um, and very confusing, especially in the in those sort of middle career years where uh, you know a senior designer at uh, a senior service designer at one company might be um, uh, the equivalent of a lead designer at another company, and uh, you know sometimes there are these very confusing. Um, uh, career levels like a designer two or a designer three well what does that mean um i i think you know i i, I think we've got some real work to do and i know that uh, you know in in both my my time at at uh at ibm and at expedia uh, working through those individual uh titlings and cleaning up getting to that level of of cleaning up this the system um we we haven't quite gotten there yet and partly because changing someone's title to align with the uh the, an hr system can have real um real ramifications for that individual designer if we're saying hey you know you used to be a a, a lead designer but now you're going to be a senior designer because we needed to clean up the system you know that's that if, if i'm that designer and that's the change that's being made to, to me that that has real uh you know that that can mean a lot of you know hard stuff for me uh as a as a designer working my way through my career so um, you know, I think we've got, we've got work to do there. I imagine I've, I've seen this in, in both of the big companies that I've worked at, you know, in, in recent years, I, I imagine that is, uh, that most companies are, are working through that and struggling with it. And, uh, you know, it's going to take us some time. We're, we're still, a a relatively new, um, you know, uh, discipline. And, uh, so some of these, uh, some of these challenges are kind of symptomatic of the relative immaturity of of the uh, of the profession right now. While you were sharing this, I was thinking: um, is it is it immaturity, or is it also uh, just part of the DNA of of our field? As in, are we are we 
pushing against being boxed in and maybe creating no no i don't think we're creating sort of a mist uh uh to sabotage things but just like we like freedom i like i mm. you can't stick a label on me kind of thing uh have you <laughs> have you heard that have you seen something like that sure oh sure i think i think i think you've touched on something very 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 real about uh, about many designers. I mean, we're we we've we've always been the outsider, uh, and we've to. I, I think what you're what you're suggesting perhaps is that we enjoy being the outsider. That that's um, that's where we fit in. That's where we feel comfortable. And what what I'm suggesting is that in order to to to, to advance our profession, we need to become insiders. In other words, get into these systems and, and get, get smart about them and, and work within them. You know, that, that may be counterintuitive. That may be kind of uh, beyond counterintuitive. That might be a, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, nails on a chalkboard for, mm-hmm. <laughs> for a designer who's like, I don't want to, I don't want to be in a corporate HR system. Um, but when we're talking about scale, when we're talking about an entire profession and many, many companies, and we're talking about hundreds, thousands of, of, uh, of designers, um, you know, perhaps working within a, a, even a single company, um, you know, we need to, if, if we're going to do that in a sustainable way, then we need to, uh, we need to be smart about these systems and we need to work within them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, the thing you mentioned about scale, that's, I think key here, because you can probably get away with this in a team of 10, right? In a team of 10, you're yep. still okay. But if you want to grow yep. from 10 to a hundred, like you need, yeah. you need some structure, you need, uh, you need to operationalize, you need to standardize, uh, otherwise it's going to be impossible to hire. It's going to be impossible to advance in your career, and uh, and and that shift that that you just articulated it that shift from teams a team of ten to a team of a hundred is exactly what has been happening over the last decade. That that is the <laughs> that is exactly the uh, the evolution uh, and the progression that we have that we have all seen. Um, to, to our benefit, of course. I mean, you know, we've got, you know, we've got more influence than, uh, than ever before. And we're doing work in, in more important ways, I think, than ever before. Uh, but, uh, you know, absolutely. We're, we're in a place now where we need to operate, um, more, uh, smartly and, uh, and, and take advantage of these, these, uh, these dense, complex systems. I was thinking, uh, we probably don't have to reinvent the wheel here. Like we are not the first ones trying to figure out how to standardize roles and how to make this work, even probably not in the design profession. I'm imagining we have huge agencies. Uh, they must have frameworks in place. why aren't we reusing more of this knowledge, which I imagine must be out there? It's a good question. So, uh, what, if I'm hearing you right, uh, there's an there's perhaps an opportunity for us to be sharing, uh, you know, sharing frameworks, sharing materials, uh, um, sharing our our research, 
across organizations and across companies. And, um, you know, what I've found is that companies are very, very sensitive about, uh, about HR material. Hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, they, um, I, I would, I would have loved in my time at IBM with that, uh, that brilliant design, designer career playbook that I mentioned, I would have loved to bring that out to the, to the industry and say, Hey, this is what we did. What are you all working on? But that's just, it's, there's a lot of sensitivity around that. And it just, what makes it sensitive? Is is it compensation, salaries, or I I I think I I think so. I think it's the compensation. Um, you know, just uh, there's such a um, you know a confidentiality. Um, maybe it's intellectual property, but it it seems it seems more than that. Mm. It, it seems uh, like the um, you know it's it. I'm not an HR professional, so I'm, I'm, I'm reaching a bit here, but you know, there are legal concerns. There are compensation concerns. There are concerns about privacy and, uh, of, of, you know, individual, you know, employee performance, you know, material. Um, I, I wish it wasn't the case because I do, I do think there's an opportunity to your point to, uh, for all of us to to get better if we could share some of this stuff, but it's it's challenging. It's hard. And I'm in the lucky position not to be part of a huge uh, corporation <laughs> and not having to deal with these le legal and, and jurisdictional constraints. But uh, nevertheless, if you're listening to this conversation and you do have access to these materials and you're proud of them, of what you've developed, then you can share them, uh, reach out to me because I think this would be a great way to sort of, one, um, help the community forward and two, also uh, shine a light on your organization and show that you're doing uh, awesome stuff. So I'd, I'd be happy to start a, uh, I don't know, a career framework archive on servicedesignjobs.com um, if companies want to share. I'd be curious and I, I would challenge companies out there to be, uh, to be more open about this. I, I think that's I, I think that's a, a great challenge, a great provocation and prompt. Um, and uh, and even if it's um, you know, hey, we can't we can't share the the end result, but we can share the story of how we how we worked through the process. Even those um, anecdotes, I've told a few here about my time at, at IBM and Expedia. Um, you know. Those those are important for us to to hear and to share, and um, you know I think there's probably some wisdom we can we can gain from each other by uh, by being a little bit more open about just the the process of working through all of this stuff. Uh, I need a few more hosts on the show. There are so many topics that I would like love to explore. There's just so much uh, still to uncover. Uh, <laughs> so th that's another call to action. If you if you are for yeah. being a, a host on a podcast, then uh, reach out to me. Maybe we can uh, do something together. Uh, sort of heading towards the uh, end of our chat here, uh, Doug. I'm curious if you reflect back on. Uh, your past five years, because that's how long it's been since you've been on the show. What is maybe the thing you wish you would have known about this topic of careers, career frameworks, HR? Uh... I I wish we would have been, uh, you know, I, I 
again, I was at, at IBM for over eight years. I, I think we, we weren't, uh, we weren't sharp enough early enough there in my time. And I take this on uh, myself. I'm not, you know, pointing the finger at the company or anything, but, uh, but it, it took us uh, several years to really discover what a, uh, what a problem we had on our hands and a, and a few more years to work out the solutions to it. And so we lost some time there. You know, uh, I wish we were more, uh, more on the front foot uh, as opposed to, you know, being, uh, discovering that we had a, a, a real, not crisis, but a real, you know, a, a real problem um, on our hands that, you know, when you, when you're, when you're in that mode, you're more reactionary, you're more, you know, you're chasing, you're chasing it as opposed to, you know, leaning into it. And, and I don't think we, we had the, the chance to do that, which is why, you know, I, my, my core advice to those listeners is, is if, if, if you're in a role where you're at that your earlier point in the in the trajectory and the evolution of service design within your company get lean into it get get ahead of it get uh you know do that um do that discovery that internal discovery uh, as soon as possible and and understand what you're working with that it, it feels like this is uh one of those pieces of the puzzle that uh when you're still small, you don't miss it. Like you can, you can hack your way around these things. Uh, but the moment you sort of start reaching again, going for skill, um, everything comes cr crumbling down and you sort of see that you don't have a good foundation to scale up on. And, uh, th this is one of those things that's really hard to find the time and invest in at the start, because it's not needed at the start. It feels like. Like, why do, why should we put time and effort into this? We, we can hack our way around. We're going, we're going at a, at a frantic pace. We're doing awesome stuff. Why should we bother about something like a career framework? You know, such an opportunity here. And again, just to come back to the, the possibility or the opportunity for us to always, uh, to, to be, to, to approach these problems as design problems rather than as you know, corporate HR problems. That's, that's, that's what I, what I really hope, um, you know, we, we seize uh, partly because we can really inspire uh, our partners in these HR organizations to, to be more human centered, to work with a more, uh, you know, a, a work in a more design driven way. And that is good for companies. Mm. Um, that is, that is, uh, that is something that we can bring that is beyond our individual impact. That, that is a way that, that is impacting the way a company works and, and the culture of the company. So, um, I, I hope we hang on to that idea too. If, uh, I'm going to try something new, um, if you could leave us with uh, a question, something to ponder upon, something to reflect upon after this conversation, what do you think would be a helpful, valuable, meaningful question? Uh, well, I mean, we're always uh, working in, in how might we's, uh, that's our, that's one of our, uh, signature uh, moves, you know, as, <laughs> as designers. Yeah. That's one of our, uh, 
So, how, you know, how might we ensure that that service design career paths are clearly defined um, and embedded in a company's HR systems uh, so that the designers can be as successful as they can and have great careers and can contribute to the the success of a company? Um, that That's that's the question that I would ask and the hope that I would have for, for us uh, as we move into the next five years, Mark, as we, as we think about our, 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 uh, our, our podcast five years from now, um, you know, I hope we're seeing that uh, we've got service designers in very, uh, who, who, have, who have been able to progress through their careers at, uh, at companies to very senior levels and that we're seeing more, uh, you know, executive level uh, service design leaders um, in, you know, companies across the industry, across the, uh, across the world, really. I'm hopeful uh, based on what I'm seeing in the street. I'm very hopeful. Uh, but uh, as with always with these things is uh, if we can do anything to accelerate it, that's just going to benefit everybody. So, on that note, I want to thank you, Doug, for coming back on, uh, sharing this uh, and sharing this question uh, with the community. Uh, always helpful, always insightful. Uh, thank you for being open. Uh, and I'm curious where your journey uh, will take you in the, in the next months and years. I am too. Uh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> thank you uh, again for inviting me, Mark. It's always great to spend time with you and uh, look forward to uh, connecting uh, down the line and doing this again sometime. Completing the trilogy. Thanks, Doc. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Mark. Working on your organizational plumbing might not be the most sexy thing in the world, but it lays the foundation for future growth. And let's be honest, it can be a very interesting design challenge. I want to thank Doc once again for coming on and sharing his perspectives with us. Hope you enjoyed the conversation and managed to learn something new today. Before we leave off, I want to remind you that if you're an in-house service design professional like Doc has been for many years, who's on a mission to create a better future for your company and your customers, and you could use some help in your fight against the many-headed monster, also known as the status quo, then make sure you bring some friends along with you. Where do you find those friends? Well, one place is the circle. The Circle is your alliance of service design professionals. There is an application process to join this alliance. If you'd like to know if you qualify, head over to servicedesignshow.com slash circle for all the details. The link is also in the show notes of this episode. My name is Mark Fontaine, and I want to thank you for spending a part of your day with me. It's an absolute honor and pleasure. Please keep making a positive impact and I'll catch you very soon in a brand new episode of The Service Design Show. See you then.